1: We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calajone. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning. Good day. Good evening. I hope everybody's doing okay today. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, today's show She's a being brought to you in the park by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.sal'sneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. I'll tell you the truth, I wish I could hop in the car and go right now. I'm, I'm, I'm jonesing for some of his chicken marsala. With the, the the spinach on the side, I lo- I love. Uh, don't, I, I shouldn't even be thinking now. Now I'm gonna be uh, uh, and a cannoli for dessert, of course. But uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all their properties. If you gotta travel someplace, make sure. You rest your head at a Holiday Inn. I personally like the Holiday Inn resorts and, of course, the Holiday Inn Express. Now, I'll give you a better reason to stay at a Holiday Inn when you travel. I'll get you a Billy C. discount. Just call our toll-free number 844-603-0364. 844-603-0364. Or just click uh, the banner on BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, and finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molno. From Bondage to Better Plan is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And uh, by the way, if you're looking to get a signed copy, um, just visit the website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. Can't miss it. It's right there. You want more than one copy? It's even better. Just uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Coming up on the show a little bit, we got, uh, there's a fight this weekend, uh, one that's worthwhile talking about. Gilberto Ramirez is defending his uh, world super middleweight title uh, against uh, a sacrificial lamb uh, opponent uh, in uh, uh, Alexis uh, Angulo. Uh, I will be giving you my uh, prediction on that, which you, I guess you can already sense what it is. Um, you know, I, I got some news to talk about, uh, uh, a couple of fights that have been uh, scheduled, uh, uh, some uh, other things that have taken place. We've got some uh, viewer and listener emails to read, and, uh, of course, uh, we got uh, one final uh, uh, comment on the... Uh, uh, Anthony Joshua, uh, Deontay Wilder fiasco, saga, whatever you want to call it. But but today's main topic is something that I said uh, several years ago. And I don't think that uh, it, it's more in play than today. And, you know, I made this, uh, I coined this phrase uh, several years back uh, when we've started this show because boxing was in a, a rapid decline. Now, honestly, I feel that uh, boxing is, is on an upswing right now in terms of uh, the level of fighters we have, uh, based on their skill, uh, ability—you know, their uh, ability levels, uh, their conditioning, etc., etc. Just the overall athleticism, and the fact that some good fights are being made. But I think it's time. You know, I, I said this uh, years ago, and I'll say it again. The phrase goes something like this. Everybody wants a fight, but nobody wants to fight anybody. And that is so true when you start to think about the fight that we've been talking about uh, over the last several weeks, uh, the desired, much desired Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder fight. And you can also even go back uh, to the uh, uh, turbulent negotiations between Uh, Triple G, and Canelo Alvarez. You can even go back and mention, uh, you know, the mystery, the guy. He used to be a a, a top fighter, and nobody's seen him. Uh, His name, his name, his name. Oh, yeah, Keith Thurman. Then we hear uh, earlier in the week Terrence Crawford, a fight that all we want to see is Terrence Crawford uh, going up against uh, uh, Errol Spence Jr. Terrence Crawford says, yeah, we're going to fight, but we want to marinate it a little bit. You know, I... This is the point. It's not helping the sport. We have the fighters. We have the talent. We have the capabilities of doing it, but yet they're dangling the carrot in front of the rabbit's nose or the horse's nose or whatever. they're dangling the friggin carrot is what they do. Joining me right now uh, is my man, uh Sal Rocky, Senecola, and Sal. What's your thoughts, man?
0: Well, you know you you, you bring it down a real good path, and, uh... All I could think about with your conversation with where you were going, and I'm sorry, I I have to do this to the fans all the time. I just refer back to the Mecca, to the era, to the to the great, spectacular fights from the 70s and the 80s, predominantly even the 80s, early 80s and mid 80s where you had the champions, you had the top of the group, you had you had the top contenders and you had the top champions. And they all wanted to fight each other because they sincerely, in their heart of hearts, believed they were the best. And they sought out to fight the best because they wanted to prove to the world that they were the best. And that's why I keep saying if two fighters really want to get it on, they will let the 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 ancillary and tertiary and anything that that's getting in the way that will fall into place. The bottom line is they will get the contract. They will understand what they have at hand, and they'll knock it out. No pun intended, and they'll make it happen. And right here, we've been, you know, we were teased along. Here we are. We're going to see a Canelo Alvarez uh, and uh, Triple G fight a year after their their prior fight, and and you know it's it is what it is. We're going to see the fight, but to to look at the inactivity also uh with with top world champions and top contenders it's a different different era and i've had to accept it and i've had to try to relate to my to my intellect and my spirit uh, say uh, to to uh to rationalize and accommodate okay i can live with this era i just can't get my hopes up reflecting back constantly to the other era that that uh, you and i are more familiar with so when I do that, I'm a little bit uh, uh, less anxious and, and, and not as hopeful because I know that it's a whole different game today. But, you know, we, we, we're we finding out with this Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight. You know, you say one thing, I say another. We, we have a common denominator. The fight's not made, and whose fault is it? And, you know, it's going to go back and forth, tossing here and there. And the bottom line is if these guys wanted to get it on, wanted to face each other, that would be paramount. That would be the priority. Everything else would be acceptable. There's concessions. There's negotiations. There's things here that happen to make it happen. The bottom line is these guys don't want to fight each other.
1: You know, aside from that fight, I've made this statement a lot of times. You know, promoters, the definition of a promoter really is to promote an event, et cetera, et cetera promoters don't really promote anymore you know they they pass that buck to a television network um in, in certain fighters cases they're the ones that have to promote themselves uh, maybe they don't have the wherewithal of the brains to do it correctly so you know they they, they try the shock value uh, um approach and and you know, basically, what managers don't manage correctly anymore. The fighters don't want to fight each other anymore. You know, um, you know, and and what happens is, it pushes fans away. And then fa- you factor in the the biggest problem of boxing, which isn't a new problem. It, it's it's been uh, exist. It's been in existence since the sport has uh, even in its in its caveman uh, form. But greed. You know, greed is is the biggest uh, problem. And, you know, every time boxing, and like I say, you know, today we have some superstar athletes in every sport, but, you know, obviously we're focused on the sport of boxing right now. And we have the potential of having some great, great fights. And we do. I I mean, it's just that they force us to wait too long. This whole theory of marinating a fight, you know, I was really disappointed in in Terrence Crawford, a, a guy that, you know, I personally think is tied uh, with the number one pound-for-pound uh, pound spot uh, in the sport today with, with Vasily Lomachenko, to hear him say, well, I definitely want to fight Errol Spence Jr., but we want that to marinate. Then it was <laughs> kind of depressing to say to hear Errol Spence say, I want all the fights. Oh, by the way, I don't want a promoter." And, you know, on one hand, I, I pat him on the back. But then on the other hand, I was giving examples yesterday of why – the business of boxing it kind of requires a promoter because in order to negotiate the best deals you got to have some juice and the promoter that has multiple fighters that he can entice a television network or a uh, you know streaming service by today's standards um, with other potential fights that is the juice regardless of the talent level of one fighter and regardless of the fact that he's putting more of the money he's making in his pocket he could cut a a a better deal with a promoter and be even more that more you know more valuable you know between that the fans the fans are naive uh you know honestly the fans are naive before we went on air we were talking about um well we would talking about uh, the dreaded uh, poly- uh, the political landscape, but, but very similar to the political landscape, uh, at least here in this country, the fans are just as divided in the sport of boxing as they are politically. And you know what happens is the sport suffers. I think that fans need to know about the sport, not just what's going on. You know the late great Johnny Boss, A close friend of mine, a guy that a lot of people knew uh, in the sport, was a manager. uh, All that stuff, Uh, matchmaker, matchmaker, manager, um, and and a a guy larger than life. uh, Florida boxing, yeah, he was a huge guy. Uh, A boxing, uh, Florida boxing hall of famer. One time, he and I were talking. As a matter of fact, he used to have a segment on this show before he passed away. One time, uh, we called it the. Uh, the land of Boz, I think. Um, oh, I, I, you know, You know what? I should whip out. I should get some of the, I have so much archived stuff, Sal. I mean, uh, really. Um, anyway, Johnny told me one time uh, that he felt Facebook was the best thing to happen in the sport of boxing uh, since they invented gloves. And he loved wow. the fact that, you know, that level of social media uh, gave the ability to to matchmakers, managers, fighters, uh, promoters to to communicate on an you know immediate way, but I wonder what the late great Johnny Boz would say today, um, if he saw how Twitter has emerged in the social media scene, yeah. um, and how people will make a uh, post a tweet and people that read it all of a sudden believe that that's 100% true and then defend it to their dying death breath you know I you know I think that that's some of the problem Sal that people read a tweet and they believe it as as news it was the same thing we were saying the other day we could get a, a bit of news uh in the world today and depending upon the network you watch you'll get a different spin so is it really news you know i mean that's the question what, what what's your thoughts on the uh uh the twitter situation well you know i i even though i have a twitter account
0: i don't i can't remember what year the last tweet i actually did probably probably uh years ago that uh, might have been when when i i made my comeback fight that's it i i, I don't know much about twitter i I'm not proactive enough with Twitter, but uh, so I'm apathetic, because when I don't know something, I want to learn about it, but before I dive in, I want to take the time and digest it and see it. Uh, Twitter is something else. I, I agree with uh, the late, great Johnny Boz with uh, Facebook as a social media. I think, especially for the layman or just anybody, it's, it's enough to... Uh, to do what you need to have done as far as uh, anything you want posted out there. But here's the thing that's very important and very much needs to be understood. You know, I had an old manager when I worked for Corporate America in a a financial service business, and what he always used to say was everybody in their life seems to have an authoritative or an accountant-like figure that they believe that whatever comes out of that person's mouth is predicated on a fact. When the truth of the matter is, it may be just predicated on another opinion. And there's more ways to skin a cat. So when you look at the, the feeds here and there and what you see in social media, don't just assume it's a fact. Be smart. Be an educated consumer. Look at all the different ways of, of uh, how news could be delivered and what, get the stories and get the facts before you assess. And, uh, and then you make your own educated decision. So on that level, I think, uh, I think it's great that we have the instant uh, news and instant feed. But like I said, do yourself a favor. Educate yourself. Look where the news is coming from. Uh, assess it. Get it from another source. Compare it. And then make a decision and see what, what, what's, uh, what feels uh, good about uh, your decision.
1: You know, it's easy to say that. You know, uh, find out the facts and make the decision. But the problem is, the facts are hard to find. The BS is easy to find because you see so many different versions of it. But the actual facts on anything, forget boxing, on anything, are hard to find. You know, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's disheartening uh, to say the least. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, you know, the, the, like I say, i um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is we happen to be in an era right now where we have a lot of talented fighters. And, and you know, I think that maybe that's the most frustrating part for me, Sal. I, I really see it, you know, and, and I can't say that I, 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 don't, I don't know if I could have said that 10 years ago. You know, there were a lot of fighters and they were out there, but I, I don't know how much of a, a, a talented pool of fighters we actually had. Um, Despite a diminished overall number of licensed fighters in the world today, I believe that a lot of them are talented, even some of the ones that don't look, uh, based on their record, that they're that talented. But the problem is everybody wants to fight, but nobody wants to fight anybody. Promoters don't promote. Managers don't manage. Fighters don't fight. There's too much greed. The fans get pushed away. You know, every time I talk to someone about the sport of boxing, um, or they'll say, you know, you get into a conversation and then, you know, what you do for a living comes uh, uh, into the mix. And, and I always hear the same thing. I used to be into boxing, used to love the sport. You know, well, well, when was the, and I always say, well, when was the last time you watched it? And I already know the answer when Mike Tyson was there. Now, Mike Tyson wasn't a, uh, a stand-up guy. He wanted to eat your children's. You know, I mean, you know, this wasn't a, this wasn't a guy that, you know, uh, was a nice guy. You know, so so, but but you know what, the guy was exciting, and he you could. You know, I've heard people say, "Well, he never really fought anybody." Well, here's the difference: he fought everyone that's av- was available that's to available. him yes. during his era. We can only criticize fighters that avoid fighters that are available during their eras. You can't turn around and criticize a fighter for fighting during an era in which there, there weren't great dance partners. End of story. There's not a guy he didn't fight. People will throw in my face, well, what about George Foreman? Well, you know, the George Foreman fight, George Foreman was, was 40 years old, and then Tyson got himself in trouble and all of that. And the only other th- knock you could put on him is, uh, you know, he, he didn't fight a Riddick Bowe, and the Evander Holyfield fight came too late. Why? Because they started marinating it too much. You know, <laughs> same thing. You know, so, I, I, I mean, listen... What makes eras great, and, you know, of course you got to have the quality fighters, but what really makes the era a great one is when the fighters fight each other. And, you know, in, in this era uh, where we've had some, just recently over the last several months, some big, big fights, the potential is some big, big fights, and they're systematically falling away. The uh, Triple G and Canelo fight was put off. Uh, and then we had to deal with the slander from, from uh, really, from, from the Canelo side, trying to point the blame of his failed PED test on Triple G. Thankfully, you know, as they said, the Hail Mary was thrown and caught, and they made the fight. Uh, what I do enjoy right now about that particular fight is that we're not hearing much, uh, I'm, a, I'm a hoping, that both of these guys are, are you know, uh, starting their training, even though technically Canelo uh, is still on suspension. You know, we hear the whole f- uh, saga of, of Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua uh, back and forth. You know, at the end of the day, there's a simple thing about that fight. You know, if if either side didn't want it, you, res- you respond. You know, uh, the... My opinion, the reason why I put most of the blame on Deontay's team, not Deontay personally, Deontay's team, is because they dragged their feet. They were playing a game, and the the time is the enemy in this sport, no matter which way you look at it. Incidentally, uh, speaking of that, um, Eddie Hearn uh, has uh, officially uh, made sure that um, Deontay Wilder realizes that the offer is still there. The money, wow. which which is a, is a flat deal of $15 million. You know, what bothered me about that is Team Wilder was saying that that was chump change, that it was, a, it was a disgrace, the offer. How can you say that with a straight face when the man never made, he didn't even make $2.5 and, and he's being offered $15. Um, Eddie Hearn said, hey, listen, I haven't, this is a quote, I haven't withdrawn the offer. The offer's still here. He can sign to fight that fight today, tomorrow, next week, whatever. So if he really wants it, uh, he said, basically, he said, so if you really want it, Deontay, it's still there. We'll see if you want it. It's even better than that. We all know uh, that the offer was $15 million guaranteed. He says, but here's the best part. The offer for 15 is still there, um, uh, and we could do it in April. But even better news, I'll give you $5 million. So he's offering him a two-fight deal worth $20 million If you fight anybody you want in October or September in New York, so uh, this is $5 million, twice the amount his own twice team got him. Earn. Twice his own team got And people are going to sit wow. there and say that it's his fault. So I, I, I'm i sorry, man. I, you know, I don't mean to pick sides, but I clearly uh, put most of the blame on that one uh, to Deontay Wilder. Uh, it, it, Listen, who said that the fight wasn't going to take place until... Next year, anyway. I knew this wasn't really going to happen. Yeah. I know. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But uh, anyway, hey, on a positive note, did you hear that uh, ESPN signed Timothy Bradley uh, to a uh, 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 long-term long deal uh, to be uh, their uh, expert on uh, ESPN? He, in a sense, uh, is joining Joe Tessitore, and Mark Kriegel was the guy who replaced Teddy Atlas. I still feel... That that broadcast team would be ten times better with Joe Tessitore, Teddy Atlas, and Timothy Bradley. This Mark Kriegel guy, in my opinion, Sal, doesn't fit in.
0: No, well, maybe they're listening
1: because you just mentioned
0: yesterday. Look, we're gonna get an email from I think it's Mitch. It always says they're <laughs> listening, and uh, because hey, look at this—they they signed Timothy Bradley, and uh, he is a great ring announcer. He's great. Does a great color commentary. Does. A blow by blow, and I like him. He's very knowledgeable, very much into what's happening in the ring. He's very,
1: very much astute. Well, what he really does, though, Sal, is he's the uh, uh, ring sign analyst. Uh, yeah. Simil- I mean, Teddy could give you that, and Teddy could be opinionated. Um, and Joe Tessitore is really a really good blow-by-blow blow guy. And, yeah. and quite honestly, if, if anyone it's has a good ever, team. Well, if anybody's ever seen him do college football, I mean, he's really, really good. But the, the guy that doesn't fit in is Mark Kriegel. Mark Kriegel really doesn't know the sport of boxing. This is one of those. This is a Dan Raphael kind of a guy. Dan Raphael is a great writer. He is. And, and wh- I, I look at him as a guy that can un- uncover the truth. Um, he gets you all the all the nuts and bolts of a contract, et cetera, et cetera, but he really doesn't know a left hook from a fish hook. Well, that's Mark Kriegel. Mark Kriegel is trying to. Uh, I, to me, I look at him as a combination uh, of a of a Dan Raphael uh, and. Uh, uh, Larry Merchant he tries to he tries to be all uh, uh, you know prim and proper with with you know l- laying out some fancy terms and words eloquent, and stuff if you uh, yeah using yes. yeah, good, good thanks for bailing me on that one but uh you know he tries to be eloquent uh, in a rough and tumble bruising sport and you know his facts are true like like uh Dan Raphael uh but he doesn't fit in you know a lot of people like Larry Merchant I never did um, I, I thought that he didn't fit in. You know, you. Can't- I,
0: I, I didn't like him because he he always had a canned assessment and speech, no matter what the outcome. Okay, I could I, I could assess that and see that uh, him being it, but every time he went on uh, some elaborate uh, dissection of of why the fighter won and what happens, what's going to happen now, it was like it was too canned, it was too rehearsed, it was too ready, much ready for either one to 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 go see. It like in other words. It wasn't innate. It wasn't coming from. Him. It was. It was already. You know, he knew what he was going to say already.
1: Yeah. Well, that's my problem, and and that's my problem with with uh, Mark Kriegel. You know, Larry Merchant knew the sport. The, the, he did. The, the difference. Yes. The difference between he him does. and Mark Kriegel. Larry uh, Larry Merchant knows the sport. This was a guy uh, people don't realize, but, you know, he was involved in in the early, early days of the sport as a beat writer, you know, ringside reporter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The guy knows the sport and he just tried to 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 help us, uh, you know, boxing people uh, be a little more eloquent, as Sal would say. But uh, but it didn't fit in. You know, I I think one of the, the things and maybe it's me or maybe it's our era. But I like the Dems and those and these bumps. You know, I I like that because I think that it fits the sport. You know, I I mean, you know, did you ever see a a a really attractive woman and then she wears a specific outfit that she's just knocked down, dead gorgeous in, and then she wears a different outfit and it's not as it's not as uh, you know exemplary. It, it just doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't. You know, <laughs> I better quit while I'm ahead yeah, with this analogy. You know, Bill, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling. There, I, mean, I I know, but I'm, my my. Point. Know, I think. Well,
0: no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, maybe I better not. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just but, you saying. Know, you're know. gonna skip it. But I think, yeah, what you're what you're trying to make an analogy <laughs> for or of? Yeah, I think a guy that's well versed in in all aspects and polished and this and that. Could rise to the occasion, could lower it to whatever he needs to do to the audience he appeals to, and uh, you know I, I'm not throwing Larry Merchant under the under the bridge. He he, he was very good, uh, had a lot of good things to say. Uh, he was very knowledgeable, and and I was a good fan of his, a big fan of his. I think uh, you know I think just in over the length of time and period, having those 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 recaps, if you will. It just got a little bit uh, too too polished, too well said, too too phony. I want to say that's all. That was my opinion. But I think he's very talented. I think he's great. I think he did a great job.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, my my point is is that you know what makes the sport uh, the sports a barbaric sport. Let's be real. It is. You know, it's and, a- and and you know it, it's not like. Uh, you know, you could put uh, lipstick on a pig and say, uh, "Hey, that's a hot looking babe right there." You know, I-, I mean, it is what it is. You know, and and I think that when- Casey
0: Casey Stengels put a boxer in a business world is like putting uh, nylons on a pig.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's like uh, it's like a yogiism. That uh, that restaurant's so busy, nobody goes there anymore. You know, it's so crowded, <laughs> nobody goes there anymore. But uh, um, you know, the the thing is, is that you know. There's no reason to change something. It is what it is. You know, Bill Parcells said, your record is what it says it is, you know, and, and and it's blunt, and so is the sport. It's a no-nonsense sport, and a lot of the negativity around it today is because of some of the the workings of the way the business end works. You know, a lot of the fighters today, I believe, and we were talking about it yesterday with Larry Hazard, there's not a fighter in this sport that becomes a professional fighter that's scared to fight anybody. It, it, it doesn't happen. And for fans that, that echo that, when somebody says, he's scared to fight me, and then the fan says, yeah, he's scared to fight him. They don't know the sport. They've never fought. You know, anybody that's ever put on a pair of gloves, and I don't care if you fought as a professional or an amateur. Um, anybody that's ever put a pair of gloves on and, and sparred, let, let's even just go to that, just sparred, okay? you know that you're not scared to get in there. If you were scared, you wouldn't get in there. If somebody was scared to fight, they wouldn't fight. So to suggest that a professional fighter who assumingly has gone through an amateur career, at least a couple of fights, and has become a pro, and has gotten into that ring several times, the fear factor is not there. Now they may not perform well, they may not pull off their game plan, they just may not be better than the guy they're fighting. But the truth of the matter is, is they're not scared and so any fighter that turns around and accuses his uh would-be opponent as being scared of him is is full of beans and not only that actually he's full of shit and not only that the truth of the matter is is that the people that do believe that you could bet your last dollar sal that they never fought a fight in their life
0: well he got a point there and uh you know, it, it's that's that's why I, I often would say you know even though we you say it casually and we do not mean it in the essence of this word or or, or definition of the word, but I, I I really don't like when I hear oh that, that fighter's a bum or you know it, it's because it does take a lot for a fighter to to get into the ring and for them to go through those ropes and for them to face an opponent. I mean that's why you say you could say they're not scared because you know it it takes a lot. Now, there could be those fighters that don't take their craft seriously and don't prepare seriously and don't prepare themselves mentally and, and physically to go through those ropes and to fight and to give it their all. Yeah, maybe they're 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 not the, the kind of fighters that we see, but you know, you know, it's just a casual fan that would say, Oh, he's a bum. You know, he may be a bum in a fight game in a sense because he's not to the level of what we expect, but you know, or what, what he, he, he would hope to be. But the bottom line is you hope that a guy that goes through those ropes or that is a pro is somewhat of a, a prepared, learned, uh, diligent wanting to fight and win fighter. But you know, it's, 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 like I said, Bill, it's, it's just a, it's just a, uh, a matter of opinions, and and a lot of opinions are being shared on the media today. So, that's well, that, it.
1: that you know, that's the backdrop of, of today's topic. You know, everybody wants to fight, but nobody wants to fight anybody. Right. And you know, when when you have fans, and we talked about this before we went on air with the division, and you know, everybody today, you know, I I, I always hear this. You know, being in New, from New York and living in New York. You know, we in this state—forget about. Well, about it. You know, we, we in this state we have. When it comes to sports, you know, we have uh, several teams uh, in this in this state. You know, and me growing up, I'm from Long Island, uh, and, and I was always a, a an Ets fan, a Jets fan, a Mets fan. These are teams that originated. <laughs> ex, I like that. Yeah, yeah. These, these are teams that originated in Long Island. The 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 the, the Nets, for example. Uh, were a Long Island team. They went to Jersey, and then now they're in Brooklyn. Uh, But but they were uh, an an island-based team, like the New York Islanders in hockey. Those were my teams. I'm from Long Island. And when I was growing up, all those years ago, you were either a Jets, Mets, Nets, Islanders fan, or you were a Giants, Yankees, Rangers, Knicks fan. There was no in-between, okay? There was no in-between. Across now, the bridge. today, when I talk to, to sports fans, I'll say, oh, yeah, you know, you're from New York. Oh, what's your team? Oh, I'm a New York team. What does that mean? I like all the New York teams. What, That's what, what do you nice. mean? Is I like that. They go, I like all the New York good. teams. What do you mean? Good well, you know, if the Jets are doing good, I'll, I'll root for the Jets. If the Giants are doing good, I'll root for the Giants, Yankees, Mets, all, all that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how, whoa, how can that be? I mean, because, you know, Giants and Jets fans hate each other. You know, Knicks and Nets fans hate each other. You know, the old time ones. And, and then, and let's be real, you know, if you look at, I mean, the Mets play in, in Long Island still, okay? Um, the Jets and Giants both play in New Jersey. The Nets play in Brooklyn. (laughs) The Rangers play in Manhattan. All right? The Knicks play in Manhattan. You know, so when we're talking about football, guess what, boys and girls? There's only one New York team. You know what team that is? Buffalo. Buffalo Buffalo Bills. Bills. They're the only New York team.
0: And Jersey doesn't have a baseball or football. (laughs) No,
1: they don't. They don't. You know, so, I mean... (laughs) mean, You know, the funny thing is, is that, uh, you know, you gotta, uh, boxing, other sports, like football, baseball, hockey, basketball, they can, they can survive division. They can survive division. It actually becomes rivalry. But the sport of boxing, which is, you know, a, a sports in general in life is a niche within life, right? Well, boxing's a niche within a niche. Boxing is a niche within sports. And I just personally think that boxing can't survive with the division that it has today. Years ago, you would meet someone during the early eras of, of the sport, 20s, 30s, 40s, even into the 50s. Um, you know, they were boxing fans. Yes, they had their guy. It was more of a, a neighborhood or, a, or a, a, an area, part of the country that was your guy. But you loved the sport. You loved a lot of fighters. You might have had your favorite, but you liked the sport. You were a boxing fan. You weren't specifically a XYZ guy fan. You were a boxing fan. Yeah, my favorite so-and-so, but I'm a boxing fan. Today, we have division, Sal. Today, we have I'm a so-and-so fan, and I hate the other guy. I'm a so-and-so fan, and he's garbage. He's a fraud. He's this. He's that. You know, we we don't have the unity in this sport in which we need. And it falls back to what I'm saying. Everybody wants to fight, but nobody wants to fight anybody. Wow, that's heavy. You know, heavy. You, you, everything,
0: <laughs> I like it. I like those coin phrases, Billy. So you got to write those down. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. And I'll tell you what, the last time I had to survive the division was in third grade math. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, you know what? I
1: agree with me. I agree
0: with me, too. Right here. It's the Billy C. I agree with me. That's That's funny. Hey, listen, we're going to take –
1: Let's just hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, which uh, we actually uh, uh, are only going to take one today, and it's coming up right now. Um, I want to remind everybody, and I'm going to remind you again, that today uh, we're not doing a live show tomorrow, so we want you to drive the show today. Uh, So the way to do that is we want to hear your question, comment, concern – and the way you do it and the way you get it part of this show is to give us a super chat. So you give us a super chat in our YouTube chat room right now and uh, get your question, comment, concern, be part of today's show. Don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. <laughs> To the Talking Boxing with Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And today is Super Chat Thursday, which means we want your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, whatever. Shout outs, I don't care. Just give us a Super Chat and we'll make you part of today's show. It's our way of uh, trying to help uh, keep this show going. Uh, and uh, you guys could do that. Uh, today's main topic everybody wants a fight, but nobody wants to fight anybody uh, is uh, uh, kind of falling into place. Uh, with uh, uh, with uh, what's been transpiring these last couple of days, Sal. I mean, uh, uh, everybody's calling, pointing fingers. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. And who gets screwed? The fan. The fan gets screwed. They're the ones that don't, uh, you know, get the fight that we demand. Uh, we as the fans get fleeced by this sport every step of the way, and uh, it's pretty disheartening.
0: Yeah, it sure is, man. I'll tell you, it it, it, it definitely is because it takes the wind out of the sail and uh, definitely uh, knocks off the track some momentum in the sport of boxing.
1: You know, uh, I say this uh, and it's kind of sad, but social media is so great. It, it gives us, uh, um, you know, the ability to communicate instantly with anyone in, on the planet, but the negative side is social media has, has made us antisocial. I've said this before, and it's a serious uh, thing. You know, when we were growing up, Sal, our parents would tell you, you know, you get into uh, somebody calls you a name and, you know, uh, you, well, when I was a kid, you, you, we got into a lot of fights. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, we threw it down, man. I, I, we just got in fights. I, I remember the first fight I was in, I was in kindergarten. I, I lived across the street from the school, and, and I was like all, you know, dressed up and I come home and my mother looks at me and she's like, what, why, what happened? Well, I got into a fight. You got into a fight? It's your first day in school, you know? Uh, but, you know, I I remember par- my parents saying, you know, hey, remember, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. The, the point correct. being, if somebody calls you a name, you know, don't get upset if they hit you with a bat. Eh, you know, that's when you get upset. Or if they hit you, you know, that's that's when you get upset. But a name isn't going to hurt you. It rolls off you like water off a duck. Well, look at how the times have changed in such a relatively short time. Now, social media not only has created us as being an anti-social uh, civilization in a sense, but names and even words. Names don't even have to be said. All they have to be done is typed, and we have people that get so distraught over it that they commit suicide over being Uh, called names. It's sad, and, you know, uh, it it shows us how weak we have become. And now, everyone says not to talk about it, but I'm going to anyway because I really don't care at this point. But, you know, the race relations have diminished so much and what bothers the hell out of me is when the race card is used for anything that's not going someone's way. And, and I always say you know, to a, to a young, specifically in, in here in the States, to a young uh, black American who, who will use a race card on any subject, I always say, you know what, the truth of the matter is, is if an older uh, black American Uh, said something. And I say older meaning, you know, your grandparents or your great-grandparents, okay? Someone that lived through probably the most horrific time in this country race-wise, with the exception of Jim Crow America in the early 1900s, those are the people that get to tell you if a race card is justifiable to be used or not. Not a young uh 20 something year old who uh, unfortunately i admit things are not the way they should be but they're but they're well better than they used to be but to use it too much it it deflates it the power of trying to get uh a uh uh uh, you know the race point made has to be used in the right form don't you think yeah i i think that you know
0: everybody has a a boilerplate or foundation of where they're going to draw their assessment or opinion and you know with race relations today i think that uh you know people definitely use it a lot on both sides of the aisle and and uh I think that it's got to be looked at and handled very delicately because, you know, there are some some serious issues uh, when it does come to uh, a race and uh, race baiting or race card or whatever you want to do and call it. And it's got to be looked at very objectively, very much, no pun intended, but a black and white issue. And it's got to be dissected and, and looked at and analyzed. And, you know, there should be no race card. There should be equality across the board and it should be uh something that uh that people are are going to be uh proud of and then to be be one to to not have to call back on that and there should never be a race card issue
1: yeah you know and and it's just it's disheartening that um you know they get used uh it gets used uh too much well that, but on the other hand i also believe that you know when when it's appropriate you should definitely use it but uh, oh yeah it, oh yeah i mean uh, that's what i'm saying there are times and issues that uh,
0: you can't deny and 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 you know it's it's why we we live in a society that sometimes is divided but the bottom line is we are all one people and and uh, it,
1: it should not be used at all you know i always tell this story yeah and you said it we were talking after uh uh after air uh, after we were on air yesterday um, you know, you said to me, "Hey, you know," because we were talking about this and how disheartening it was. And you said, "Well, hey, we all bleed the same color of blood." And I was like, "We yeah. all bleed the, the same red." And and and, and that, boys and girls, is why I wrote the book about Tom Molino. I'll never and I'm going to tell you the story. So anybody that doesn't have a copy of this book should buy it now. And I'm not being uh, an idiot here promoting a book, but let me tell you why I wrote the book. I got a hold of this. um series called Boxania, and it was written by a guy named Pierce Egan. Pierce Egan is considered the first sports writer in the history of, of sports, and he covered the sport of boxing, because boxing uh, in the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s, was really the only sport besides horse racing, and this guy chronicled the sport and the history of boxing, and he put out this, this set called Boxania, and um, I got my hands on a copy and I was flipping through it and it's, it was a very hard read, but he went through and he was describing all these fighters and and you know a little about them and their history and, and all this stuff. And I stumbled across the fight and the fight that I'm referring to is uh, Tom Cribb uh, who was considered the champion of England. Now at, during this era by the way, um, England was the main, boxing mecca yeah, they were still carrying yeah, the sport yeah, yeah they were they were uh, although it was uh traced all the way back to to greek times um yes. you know the truth of the matter was during this time england was the king of the sport and they had their champion called tom crib and he was the champion of england as a matter of fact they referred to him as the champion i mean no you know even after he retired he was considered the champion and anyway um Nobody could beat uh, Thomas Cribben, and, and Tom Molyneux was a slave. And Tom Molyneux uh, fought for his freedom, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you got to read the book to get all this, this, the stats. But anyway, I, I stumble across Pierce Egan's description of the fight. And he starts off, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and he's describing Thomas Cribb. And he says, Thomas Cribb, the champion of England, uh, lily white, his skin, lily white, as white as milk. Right? Then he describes Tom Molino, the, the black, black as coal, the more, the slave from the U.S., okay? And and I, and I get this picture in my head of, of this white, white guy and this really black, black man, you know, dark-skinned black man. Um, and he, as I'm flipping through and I'm reading, he's saying by the 17th round, 17th the, round. These guys were so br- – the fight, how brutal it was, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, by the 17th round, these fighters were so disfigured and covered in blood that you couldn't tell the two combatants apart. And when wow. I read that line, it made – I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it now. When I read that line, I, I, I just – I couldn't help but have this vision pop in my head of how brutal – this fight must have been, and between these two guys for a description like that, and I—that's when I turned around, Sal, and said, "I got to learn more about these guys." And uh, I yeah. focused on uh, Tom Molyneux because wow. his story—I mean, we hear that same story: rags to riches. You know, he came from nothing. Yeah. He came from well. This guy was born a slave, fought for his freedom, and uh, you know, was robbed over there in England. But uh, you got to read the book, and I'm very adamant about getting the history. Uh, written correctly, because my man Tom Molino doesn't even get the credit he deserves as being the first. First of all, he should be the first world heavyweight champion, not Thomas Cripp. Um, the first heavyweight world champion should be Tom Molino And he doesn't even get the credit for being the first American uh, world uh, American heavyweight champion. And he doesn't even get the credit for being the first black American champion. And this guy was the first in all three of those things. And my book proves it, but uh, in well, any, you know,
0: way. I think it built. And I hope one day, pal, this book sounds like it'll make a great movie. And I hope, uh, I hope the powers that may be will listen <laughs> in and try to make this a screenplay that uh, I think would be very, very uh, much an education and also a great st- tale to tell and to show on the screen.
1: Well you know we are uh, optioned uh, but uh, those types of things uh, take forever but uh, and anyway in any event uh, don't forget uh, we're running out of uh, time here because I got some emails and uh, we'll keep going if we get any super chats to keep us going otherwise uh, uh, it's a uh, it's a slow day in the sport but I got some news Sal uh, remember when uh, again promoters don't promote. And they jumped the gun. And, and I even verified this with my man Larry Hazard. Uh, uh, you know, I have been a licensed promoter, and I know one thing is for sure. At least most of the reputable promotional comp- uh, I mean, uh, uh, commissions uh, here in the States, you're not allowed to promote a fight until you present uh, the respected commission a uh, signed uh, vouched contract. Uh, which uh, stipulates, uh, you know, uh, who's getting paid, how many rounds, what the weight is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But, uh, you know, not correctly done. Uh, It was promoted that Bryant Jennings was fighting Joseph Parker. uh, And uh, next thing we know, uh, Joseph Parker is fighting uh, Dillian White. Um, Well, it was announced yesterday that uh, uh, Bryant Jennings uh, will be fighting... uh, Alexander uh, Dimitrenko uh on August 18th in Atlantic City uh at the uh, uh Ocean Resort Casino uh it's going to be the uh main event and also uh uh Jesse Hart coming off of uh uh his uh coming off a loss uh will be fighting uh, against uh, Mike gravansky um out of uh the West Coast I think he's out of uh, uh, Washington state uh, will be the uh, uh, Cohen uh, main events And uh, they will be on uh, uh, ESPN As well as being streamed On ESPN Plus So this approach By putting it on the regular network And also streaming Is the way they should have done The Crawford fight The way they should be doing uh, The potential uh, fight With uh, 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 Anthony Joshua And Wilder Or uh, the upcoming fight Between Anthony Joshua and um alexander povetkin i mean at this stage of the game sal we need it on multiple platforms not just one no i agree with you we
0: certainly do because we have to make up for a lot of lost uh, lost opportunities here and, and in a fight game especially in the heavyweight division with this whole little song and dance uh, around the ring when it comes to Anthony joshua and deontay wilder
1: who are they fighters <laughs> Very good, Bill. Like, hey, did you hear me? <laughs> um, listen, uh, we're going to read some emails right now. Uh, and uh, don't forget, if you have a question, comment, or concern that you want us to talk about live right now, you got to send us a super chat. So if you're watching on a different uh, stream or if you're on TV or listening on a radio dial right now live during the live show, um, send us a super chat. Go over to the YouTube chat room. What do you want, Sal? What do you want? Yeah, I just wanted to say, you mentioned
0: earlier Bill Parcells. And let me tell you, you know, Bill Parcells came to our restaurant and he sat down and he comes every year to uh, Jekyll Island to play around at golf with some, some uh, friends here of his that live here. And when Bill Parcells came to my restaurant, you want to talk about uh, a man bigger than life? Not only did he come to our restaurant and we had a great conversation, uh, but this guy was a plethora of knowledge when it comes to sports. And guess what? He's a big boxing fan. And he told me he followed my career. He told me more about my career than I remembered. I couldn't believe it. And he he's he, just a great guy, bigger than life. And um, I, I hope uh, we see him again someday uh, when he comes back and plays golf on Jekyll Island. Uh, but what a terrific guy! And I learned a lot about Bill Parcells that day. When well, I was a big fight fan, but he's a half Italian too. His mother was Italian. And uh, what else did I learn? Uh, I learned a lot of things. I'm just grateful I had my Giants football helmet and Phil Sims jersey hanging up that day. <laughs> just, yeah, but, unlo- uh, unlike un- 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 unlike unlike
1: unlike Pat Ryan when he came no, in. No, which I'm
0: getting the Pat Ryan jersey and helmet in. And I'm going to do that because I need to have that hanging when Pat Ryan comes back in and tells me, uh, (laughs) you know, that story. But anyway, Pat Ryan is welcome anytime with his beautiful family as well. But, you know, who's coming to visit me tomorrow. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. So excited. My childhood friend and four-time golden glove champion uh usa boxing champion gold medalist in, in international bouts fought everybody fought the soviet but i talk about him and his family often they they come from a fighting family from dumont new jersey we started in the same gin together uh jerry Palmieri. and jerry Palmieri is coming in with his lovely wife ellen i was in their wedding about 100 years ago it feels like but uh uh, and their picture hangs in my restaurant too. Well, they're coming in for a visit, and I can't wait to see them. And ironically, Jerry Palmieri was the head strength training coach uh, uh, for the Giants, and uh, and also uh, I think at one time the uh, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, I'm, I can't wait to see Jerry, because I mean we started. I can't tell you the things that we in the gym, the young young amateurs that we were coming up and fighting and everything else and sparring and. It was it was just great, so I can't wait to see Jerry Palmieri and his wife Ellen, great great
1: couple. Hey, you know, yeah, I forget what her name is, but she's one of those. She does one of those, uh, um, uh, like lawyer uh, judge shows, and she she always you know asks the same question. Uh, You know, somebody will say something like, "Well," somebody will say something like, "You just said Bill Parcells told me more about my career than I know," and I'm going to say like she said. And I'm gonna go, Sal. Are you saying that Bill Parcells actually knows more about your career than you do? <laughs> and I would, and I would say, get out of here, Sal. That's not true. Stop telling stories, man. But anyway, speaking of stories, let's, uh, uh, let's. Uh, I would like to, you know, I've never met Bill Parcells, and I actually would Great like. Great guy,
0: bigger in life, and let me tell you, he had a, he had a persona as far as being a, a, a no bull kind of guy and everything
1: else. Yeah, how come you stopped talking? He he, huh? he, go ahead. No, you stopped. You you locked okay, up here. Stop. He he,
0: great guy, just great guy. Uh, open open book of knowledge and uh, uh, a real down to earth guy. And uh, the common denominator is uh, love and life, and uh, it shows from him. He's just a tremendous guy, and I was so appreciative of the time that uh, he came in and we talked, and uh, and he was just very forthcoming and very giving and very, very generous with his time and his attention. And uh, I'll never forget that. So that was one day that, uh, that always uh, always resonates when I tell that story, and he's welcome back anytime.
1: Um, we got some emails to read here, so uh, let's no, get started. I got this first one. Uh, you're going to love this. Good morning, Billy C. and Sal. It's me, Raheem.
0: Raheem, he, he I said, haven't heard from
1: Raheem. I know, we oh, haven't.
0: Wow, how you doing, Raheem?
1: We, we haven't heard from Raheem. Uh, but, but I, I just want to say, Raheem is, is, a, is, you know, listen, I, I know me and Raheem don't agree on most. Uh, thankfully, Raheem's father and I agree on a lot. But Raheem is, is a great example of a young boxing fan. Now, the, the thing I respect about Raheem is that he's a boxing fan. You know, a, a full-blown, uh, you know, boxing fan. Which uh I just uh lost everything here. Uh can you still hear me, Sal? Got you, pal. I got you right on. Yeah, something just uh something just happened with uh with this whole uh kit and caboodle. So uh uh we'll have to uh keep going here, but uh uh let me see if I can't uh get us back. Uh we are gonna have to uh do this, so bear with us here. Uh as a matter of fact, I'm gonna have to take a uh uh, a quick uh, break. So, uh, don't go anyways. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning.